0: no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply
2: he pioneered jets blogging and podcasting he brought smiles to the faces of jets fans all over the world he was
3: there
1: through the good and bad and then one day he vanished
3: people far and wide wondered where has he gone when will he return thankfully the answer is now
1: the og of jets podcasting and vlogging is back just when i thought i was out they pulled me back in this is there's
2: always next year with brian bassett
3: i'm back the real me let's
0: not make a whole thing of it
2: and his co-hosts Chef Travis Milton.
0: Today we're going to be making the students my tasty baked ziti with basil and fresh mozzarella.
2: And Josh Conrad.
1: Oh, my brother, testify.
2: On Turn on the Jets Digital.
1: Welcome to next year
3: on There's Always Next Year podcast. I'm your host, Brian Bassett. You can follow me on Twitter at Brian underscore Bassett. With me, as always, are Josh Conrad, the stalwarts, the... Human empathy sponge. (laughs) And with us also the resilient, the strong, the resistant, Travis, Milton, who you can find on Twitter at dash 37 board (laughs) Josh, you can find on Twitter on Josh underscore Conrad. Gentlemen, so excited. I'm so emotional. Like I don't even know what to do. Like, are you guys like, do you feel any different? Is, Is anything happening? Do you feel any different, Josh?
4: Ooh. Uh, I think my precious Yukon Huskies had a very nice comeback win this week, down 18 in the second half to no, Marquette, no, no, no. came I'm back and won.
3: I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about something else. Something with the Jets.
4: Did you know anything uh,
3: with the Jets?
4: Did something I missed? Did I miss a headline, boys?
3: I don't know. But, you know, I just feel, feel good. Oh, yeah, let's get it going. I feel like there's a weight off my shoulders. I, I, I can't really explain it. Just something's different. And, uh, you know, what, guys, got to give this guy a lot of credit. Happened to sniff Peyton Manning's jockstrap once upon a time. You know what? Good for him. Decade ago, turned that into a Chicago offensive coordinatorship when things fall apart in Denver. Turned that into a head coaching job in Miami. Make a total mess of that situation. Didn't matter. Regardless, somehow, there's only 32 head coaching jobs in the NFL. He got another one. This guy is amazing, even with his crazy eyes. Somehow, he convinced our owner to take a chance on him. But you know what? That chance we knew would eventually come to an end. If we just stayed there long enough, we'd eventually get there. It was two years in the making, fellas, but I'm happy to say it. Adam Gase is gone. Oh.
1: Woo! Woo! Yeah. <laughs>
2: hallelujah
1: oh yes
3: so good oh so good so good that he is finally gone i don't know about you guys i don't know about you guys but i am so excited i'm so excited that he's gone praise be
4: praise Praise be. be
3: did you pray for this day i gotta know i know you're a pastor did you actually pray for this or do or do you take the approach that this is like a I need to pray for my own, my own wayward soul. How did you approach this thing?
4: Listen, mental health is a real thing. And so if I feel the need to pray for better mental health, which is the removal in some cases of really (laughs) toxic people in my life, then yes, yes, I would definitely pray. Did pray. You are all welcome. The Lord has heard our cries, boys, and we are now free. And (sighs) whom the son has set free is truly free indeed.
1: Oh
3: man. So good. Preach brother. Amen. Travis, how do you feel?
2: My liver feels really good. I ain't, well, actually know it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I well, celebrated. It, it realizes it that it. it's getting a
3: reprieve. It realizes. It, it, oh good. Yeah.
2: It's, it's, it's stoked. I mean, it sees a light at the end of the tunnel. Um,
3: <laughs> well, I am so excited. I'm so glad we're here. I mean, we knew this day was going to come eventually boys. Like we knew that if we were just patient And we waited, eventually we'd be here. And we knew the one thing that we knew, we said this two years ago was that when this turd was hired, that he would be an enema to this organization. And if you think about it, in two years, he accelerated what would have been a long, painful process. He took out Mike McCadden from this organization. They brought in someone who I think seems worthy of our trust in Joe Douglas and a lot's going to hinge on what comes up in the, in this off season, kind of leading up to the draft. Um, but, you know, he accelerated that process because of his awfulness. And so we knew if we just waited it out, we'd finally be here. So I don't know about you guys, but it feels really good. It feels good to be in this spot, but right. Just like, uh, you know, uh, King George says in Hamilton, what comes next? So Josh, like what, what do we do? What, what comes next from here? Where are you looking in terms of, uh, in terms of coaching? And we'll get to that in a minute, Travis and Josh, but like, I, I do want to know what would be the ultimate worst case coaching hire as far as oh. so anyone can go when they're ready. I have mine and I will destroy you with mine, but
4: go ahead. I, I'm ready, but I don't want to go first because I'm I'm worried you're both going to blow mine out of the water. Okay. I'm going to make Travis go first. Worst right. hire po- possible, Travis.
2: Worst hire possible. Um, who? Um, In the realm of possibility, like
3: we're not talking like the corpse of you know Rich Kotite, according to
2: Craig
4: Carton, right?
2: Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say that the worst hire possible right now would be. Uh, Bill O'Brien, hands down, Ooh, that guy, that, that guy so is bad. that guy is the the stinkiest turd in the pile, man. I mean, God, yeah, like that that would be worse than Gaze. I think
4: I can one up that. I think in Ooh. the real possibility, the worst hire is one Mister Khaki Pants himself, Jim Harbaugh, who oh. can't can't get anything going at the university of Michigan and somehow is going to show up with the jets for an $11 million a year contract and drive us even further into the ground. I think that's even worse. Yeah.
2: But at least he wouldn't trade away our number one picks. And, and, you know, if we got a good wide receiver, trade him away and, you know, just, just give away every single bit of building capital that we had, like Bill O'Brien did. Or at least we don't know if he would or not, but we know Bill O'Brien would
3: he would be there for three years and then he would leave to go take the Ohio state job or some other job that right. Like in college. Um, But yeah, Bill O'Brien would just, that, that turd would just stay around. He would just stay around for a long time, but I I don't know. I think those are both really good. I'm impressed gentlemen. So, so kudos to you for those two. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and I, I think raise you, one with one brian schottenheimer i think oh boy oh. I know he's not in the mix but could you imagine like this kind of um uh you know the exiled king returns home to new york <laughs> with this idea like somehow like people have forgotten everything that happened before he got paired up with russell wilson And uh, and then the irony of all ironies is that Russell Wilson, like the whole thing this year was to let Russ cook. Right. That was everything on Twitter, everything you saw. And while Russell Wilson had a great year and the Seahawks have had a great year, the irony is he never cooked like they never let him turn on the stove. They never let him use the sharp knives like he was throwing 20 to 30 passes a game. It wasn't like he was out there throwing 40 passes a game, 45, you know, 50 passes a game. Like, so, so this idea of like, Oh yeah, he let Russ cook. No, he didn't. And by the way, he was terrible when he was with the jets and he knows the organization well, and he didn't do anything. And on top of that, he also was, uh, you know, he, he's Vizini as we've talked about in the past. He's like of that Adam Gase. is like, well, if, I, if they know that I know that I know that they know, then I should just do – I know I'm supposed to do a run play here because it's third and inches or fourth and inches, and I'm on my own 45-yard line, but I'm going to throw the ball because that's what they want me
2: to want them to do. It's like – It's the classic blunder. Hey. Never go in with a shot and when football's on the line. exactly thank you thank you well said
0: At LuckyLandSlots.com, available to players in the U.S. excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions supply.
3: Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Do you have strong feelings about best hires?
4: Hmm. I I think I mean in my opinion I think I think there's three three real options. One of them will surprise I think you and our listeners, but um, they they seemingly earlier this week wrapped up the interview with Eric Bieniemy, which I think is a great interview i feel like he's gonna he's gonna probably take six of these meetings with every single opening Mm -hmm. um and be highly considered which i do really like that um i i would love still to get matt campbell in the house um and and see what that interview process looks like i think that guy um seems like like a leader um who's going to come in and reset the organization and then my surprise one that i know will not be popular um with most of the fan base and maybe i get even thrown out of this of this podcast but Boo. i don't, I don't think it's i don't think the worst option gentleman um is one marvin lewis i don't think it's the Boo. worst idea wow. i i i know it's it's a that's a lukewarm take i feel like he's he's a professional he would maybe establish some decorum i mean if you look at um, his relative success compared to the dumpster fires we have been swimming in for the last ten years, I feel like um, that that's an improvement and a little bit of a of a step toward normalcy. I don't think we're winning Super Bowls with Marvin Lewis, but I do think we'd be talking about playoff berths. And so, mm-hmm. um, if the long play here is to is to restore the organization um, to a little bit of um, respectability and an upward trajectory and momentum. I don't think getting an adult in the room to to run everything is the worst idea, but that's, I submit that to you for your, Mm. for your holes, blow some holes in it. If you feel the the need. uh,
3: Travis, I'm curious what you think, but what I would say is obviously he has a terrible playoff record. uh, But that is, you know, that could be just like flipping a coin over and over again and getting tails, right. You know, 10 times in a row or whatever. Uh, It does happen. It's not often that it happens. He had a really talented roster, uh, but, you know, it wasn't like he had these, you know, just utterly dominant quarterbacks, you know, when he was there, he had good quarterbacks, but he never had a great quarterback. Um, And, you know, I think a lot is not talked about how Marvin Lewis really rebuilt that organization from a total dumpster fire, as you say, and even, went really above and beyond in terms of his ability to coach some, let's say marginal character players um, on that team. I mean, if you think about that run in the two thousands, like, man, they had some, (laughs) they had some very talented, but also very troubled players, you know, over the course of his tenure. And so by and large, while it wasn't perfect, I certainly think they did do their best to focus them up And keep them, you know, keep them paying attention to football and, you know, out of, out of, you know, most of harm's way, obviously the biggest, you know, saddest story there is, uh, is the story of Chris Henry, who I'm sure you guys remember, but, um, but uh, yeah, there, there, I, I, you could do a lot worse, right? Like Brian Schottheimer would be a lot worse than Marvin Lewis if, right. But on the scale of, you know, terrible to awesome, right. He's somewhere in the middle. I mean, what do you think, Travis?
2: Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely food for thought. Um, it's no one I would have remotely had in my head, but I, I, I get, I get the thought process there. Mm. Um, I mean, my, my head coaching things are kind of like, uh, ranked in, in the level of, 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 uh, dating pipe dreams almost. It's like, you know, I look at Matt Campbell, he's the number one person I want, but that's like me thinking, you know, the possibility of me marrying Charlize Theron is, is you know a good chance because oh, she's team. single right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know it's it's Kim Kardashian's single. I mean, like Kim Kardashian yeah, single, buddy. You, do what?
3: Kim Kardashian single. Apparently. Oh yeah, In I Kenya, heard you yeah, talking.
2: I'm 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 good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm 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 fine. Like I I I don't <laughs> think I would want to invite that. Nightmare, like, <laughs> I, um, I
1: picture
4: that first date though going with Travis. Travis showing off his collection of MD four MD twenty twenty and asking Kim which one she wants. And I just want to be there in that uh, moment. For you got to You
2: you always got to go bling bling blue raspberry. I mean, <laughs> it's got a gold
4: chain on the
2: bottle. Like you have to go with that.
3: I mean, well, why would a, you not?
2: That's a great point.
3: So <laughs> so why would so so Campbell is your is your Charlize, there. I'm yep, okay. Campbell's
2: my Charlize. Then um, I'm going to go ahead and say like uh, Brian uh, Dayball. Like I, I've got mm-hmm. him up there uh, because there's that. You know, he's kind of that that uh, that chick at the end of the bar that looks like a ten to me because I've had way too much whiskey and possibly <laughs> Mad Dog Twenty Twenty, uh, but is actually probably about a six. I mean, she's not like a three, yeah. but she's like a six. Um, and I'm building it up because, like in my mind, I'm thinking, all right, we get Dave, maybe he'll bring Mangini back as like uh, defensive coordinator, and you know, we get Mangini back in the mix, and I'm, I'm into that. Um, it's it's uh, it's thrilling to me to an extent. And then we get into Art Smith, who who I, I like a lot, but he's, you know, not the exciting pick. He's like in those eighties, you know, teen high school dramedies where like there's mm-hmm. the girlfriend or the, the friend that's a girl that you're like Man, she's awesome, but you're never you never really want to date her. And then you find out in the end, you're like, damn, like, yeah, I'm gonna date her. She's pretty cool.
3: Yeah. You know, it's like she takes the glass she's super hot and then she takes the glasses off it. Yeah, exactly. Oh oh, wow, you were hot this whole time. You were just wearing glasses. Yeah. Exactly.
2: Uh, because you know, like he doesn't sound that exciting, but like the reason he doesn't sound that exciting is everything that I I love in football. Like he he focuses on the offensive line, the running game. Um, yep. You know, you know, he, he helped Tannehill by not by, you know, kind of putting him in an offense where everything wasn't on his shoulders. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's everything that I love. in you know, a, a football coach. So th- those are those are my levels of, of interest right
3: now. Right. So, yeah, I, I think those are all great. Um, I mean, I know that our producer, <laughs> Scott Mason, wants. Wants Pat Fitzgerald, which is like, again, like that's a, um, that's a Matt Campbell
2: level. I mean, that's, that's, that might be Kim
3: to to Charlize. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so I, I just, sure. It would be great if Pat Fitzgerald came to New York, but it's never happening because he's got high school kids in the Chicago area. He doesn't want to relocate his family. He's in the mid, like he'll have his chance to be an NFL head coach, whenever he wants, uh, you know, and he can kind of take his time in getting it. So uh, unless he's really attracted to, you know, the total situation around the Jets, like just doesn't seem like one that, that he would, he would jump for. Um, And also like, he's got a lot of Rex Ryan in him and his personality, just like he's fun and he's quirky and he's silly and he speaks off the cuff. And like, that's great in New York when you're winning, but when you are not winning, or you have demonstrated that you can't win, like the press and the New York media just do not care. And they will just destroy you and actually make more fun of you or want you gone sooner as a result. So like, if I'm Pat Fitzgerald, it would have to be you know a massive haul in terms of uh, what I'm making to to make to make a jump. I mean, for me, I, I like Don Martindale has been mentioned uh, as a possibility. He's not been officially asked, but uh, he's interesting. I certainly think he's been around the league, but he's like he's good. And I think if he set up the right, I think it all comes down to what staff does he set up? Uh, you know, who's he bringing in as, as his offensive coordinator and I like him and he's not. Yeah. There's a lot of worse choices, but at the same time, I don't know if that's going to work you know, over the long run in New York. And so like, I don't know, I just, I'm, I'm led around and I do think that there's a lot of good candidates. I like Iberflus from Indiana, uh, Indianapolis. Um You know, he's got a little bit of a magnetic personality and he's been around football for a long time. And so, you know, that could play well. But like it feels like Eric Bionimi is in a situation where he's he's staring down a number of teams, Atlanta, Detroit, Jacksonville, the Chargers, in addition to the Jets. Jacksonville's great because they have Trevor Lawrence, but it's it's everything else in that situation. So would, would he want to take that? The Chargers are probably the best job. I think that's what people seem to think is the best job in this cycle. You've got Justin Herbert. You've got some talented players on offense and defense. Um, it's a lot going for you. The big thing for Bionomy is I wonder if he would have any loyalty about moving in division. So he's been working for Andy Reid for almost a decade, would you stay in the AFC West and work against your old head coach like that feels a little weird it's not that it never happens but like when you have a wealth of choices like you you really have to be compelled in Justin Herbert and things like that for for him to go there so the other choices who knows but i mean the jets are an attractive place and my whole thing with bionami is like he has seen this game from every perspective except that of a head coach and so i'm really I don't know what else he can prove unless you just start taking everything away from him. You take Andy Reid away from him. You take Travis Kelsey, you take Patrick Mahomes, you take Tyree kill. Like we're not going to know what this guy is until that plays itself out. So like, as far as a process play um, I understand people's concern of, is he just, you know, carrying the water. It feels a little Adam Gase or whatever for his, for his head coach or he's a, he's a product of the, of the players around him. Um, But I don't know. I don't know what else he could show us at this point. And so, so I, I tend to be led back to beyond me, but I like all those choices. I like Dable a lot. Um, I like Matt Campbell, but right. Like, is he willing? Like he said, no, the last time, will he say yes or no this time? And I think, I think the big thing that I would say fellas is like, we have a lot of data on kind of who the Jets have asked on the, Uh, pro level or we have more data as of the taping, which is Wednesday afternoon, but um, we have more data on that. But the college data is so sketchy. It's hard to know who they're really talking to. And Douglas's network as a former director of college scouting and a GM is going to be really deep in in that college ecosystem. So like just be prepared for some candidates from, from college to just show up on our doorstep at some point if they start interviewing. But again, it's harder this year because they're not physically making trips uh, as they have been. They're doing a lot of this on zoom. Um, do you think that hurts or harms the jets in terms of the way that the coaching search is going this year, Josh?
4: I man, I, I'm, I'm optimistic. Um And at the same time, I feel like, you know, so, so much, so much about what this, this hire is going to represent. is just going to be really telling about just what the actual um, priorities of the organization are. Um, And so I'd, I'd honestly, you know, I'd love to hear Travis speak a little bit more to it, but um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm cautious. (laughs) Like, I think, I think we're all going to be a little bit cautious here. I think we're going to be kind of waiting for the, for the, for the wrong hire to happen. Um, But I I do think that like, um, you know, Joe Douglas being very publicly given a lot of control in in the process is encouraging. Mm -hmm. Um, I do think that, Um, you know, Woody Johnson seemingly staying away and staying in England while these, uh, while this search is being conducted is like one step behind the veil that we've maybe not seen in the past. Um, And so maybe there is an actual shift that's happening within the building. Um, But, you know, color me cautiously optimistic at this point. Yeah.
3: What what do you think, Travis? Do you feel like the fact that things are going on Zoom and Yeah, I don't know that the process feels different than it kind of plays out in front of everybody. And, uh, you know, Manish is hiding in the bushes, you know, writing down <laughs> license plates of every person going in and out of Florida Park. Well, hell, I don't know. He might be doing that anyway. Just like we don't we don't. It's not being reported by the Daily News, but he, he you probably know, actually- is in the bushes somewhere.
2: Actually, I think it's 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 almost advantageous to a, an extent. Um, I'm I'm kind of of two minds. Like if and I swear I say that every goddamn podcast. I'm of two minds. Uh, I, I need to I need to get my ADD in check. Um, no,
3: did you know that actually I think that is a sign of actual like re- being really smart is if like you have lots of different opinions and can hold contrary thoughts in your head at the same time and always be learning and learn new things or, you know, right. Hold hard things in context. Like just, just little, you know, word to the, word to the wise here. Like that actually is a sign of serious intelligence. So
2: just, damn. Okay. All right. Go ahead.
3: Just <laughs> um, tell people you're smart.
2: So, so what, one of the, one of the things I think is, is advantageous um, is, you know, one of the things I've experienced, you know, as, uh, uh, as, the pandemic's gone along. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm building a, a thirty million dollar restaurant and in, inn right now. I'm on Zoom calls constantly, as are I think everybody mm. in this world. Um, you get a little bit of insight into that person's world. People seem to be a little more candid and mm. a little more uh, in their own element because I mean they are literally in their own element. Typically, yeah. you know most most of these people on Zoom calls aren't in like an office at a building, they're in their home office. And I mean, you can, you can see, you know, kind of what they've got going on around them. You know, if, if you, if you pay attention to like little details or just like how clean somebody's desk is, does it look like they just cleaned it for this, uh, for this interview? Um, (laughs) And, you know, a lot of those things I think are things that, you know, one of the, one of the things that I have always used as like a judge of character when I interview someone, I always you know, kind of like what the NFL does. You take them out to dinner. Um, you see what, you know, as a chef, you know, I see what people order. I see how their decor is. I see how willing they are to to open up and, and speak. And, you know, um, like I've always said, first dates, I love, you know, taking somebody to go eat wings or crab legs because I mean, they're the messiest thing in the world. And, you know, if somebody's willing to sit there and get barbecue sauce all over their face for you, they're probably pretty cool. Um, so, you know, obviously that opportunity is out the window, but I, I really do feel like you've got an opportunity to, to speak to people while they're in their most in their comfort zone, as opposed to being, um, you know, in, in a more pressured situation, which I think is advantageous in on one hand and on the other side, you know, because of the pressure, you want to see how people are operating under that kind of pressure in an interview. But I, I think the candid portion is, is much more advantageous uh, at least what I've experienced this year. And, and I, I think it's going to be good in this, this uh, interview process, to be honest.
3: Hmm. Uh, I gotta know. So if you're taking a chef out to dinner, like what's the, what's the cardinal sin? Uh, like what's the worst thing they could do in terms of ordering mm. just any standard restaurant, you know, kind of top to bottom, they've got a little bit of everything. If you're going after, to cheesecake factory, after
2: ketchup, if you ask yeah, for ketchup, okay. like you're immediately not hired for money because I'm... <laughs> you can order chicken tenders. I don't give a crap. Like I, that, if you want chicken tenders, like that's awesome. You're willing, you're willing to sit next to a chef and order chicken tenders. You're willing to be yourself in front of me. And I can't, I can't tell you how to be better. I can't tell you, you know, anything if you're not willing to be yourself around me. So, uh, but ketchup, that's a big freaking no, no for me. Like if you, if I take you to a place and you know, you, you get eggs and put ketchup on it, that's, that's like, Um, uh, ketchup and white pepper are two things I I refuse to have in my kitchen.
3: (laughs) What about like, what, what's the kind of thing that would really impress you?
2: That would really impress me. Yeah. Um, who, I mean, if they bought me dinner instead of me buying them, that would impress the hell out of me. That would impress you. (laughs) Um, (laughs) yeah, that would be good. Uh, yeah. Outside of that, um, or, or saying that they didn't like something that was, you know, popular you know that they, they, they mm-hmm. ordered kind of against the the modern culinary trends you know kind of like i was talking about with the chicken tenders you do that like i'm gotcha. like all right okay <laughs> all right yeah I
3: you're, you're at like least willing tenders. yeah it's like a pbr it's like the P- chicken tenders hey. is like the pbr of like dinner chef interviews is what you're yeah saying. just me- remember
4: like if you want to, if you want to work for Travis too, like, just remember whatever item you are holding in your hand is just the vehicle to get to the sauce anyway. So it just, just doesn't matter. Order, (laughs) order order a plate of, uh, of, uh, of bread points. Like it just doesn't matter. Order whatever you want. Impress him with the sauce you're dipping it into.
2: Exactly. That's why ketchup's the big no, no. I love it.
3: I love it. So, so yeah, as the jets go through this process, right. I think, Christopher Johnson addressed the media early this week. And I would say I was heartened by some of the answers uh, in terms of what he wanted. He says, we're looking for a coach that uh, the coach is the entire team and his staff. You don't have to be offensive. You don't have to be defensive. This is a coach for the entire team. That's important to us. And then, right. You know, he kind of, when, when kind of asked to talk about Joe Douglas uh, he said, "Joe is the GM we've been searching for for years. I have a lot of faith in him. If we can get this coaching hire right, and I think we will, you know, we'll be a team. Uh, blah blah blah, whatever. So, uh, so, so, so here's what I would say. Um, I've seen enough growth in that. Right? He understands." let let me not set up this weird arranged marriage for our coach or let me not discount a potential hire because they have strong opinions about who is going to come work for them and help them win or lose right and rather than just being thrust into these awkward situations and so like uh, he's learning great okay but he's got what 4 years on job Um, And so he still is always going to be less knowledgeable and less understanding of what it takes to play football. And so while I get that owners want to be involved in this process, and it's fine, they should meet with them. But effectively, if Joe Douglas tells him, I really like this guy, then he should take that as a cue to look for reasons to the positive, but also like, unless there's some massive red flag, do not throw a gear, uh, you know, a wrench into the gears here and, and, and mess up the whole situation. So I hope that the Johnson family is stepping back from the decision making of football operations and maybe letting Joe Douglas actually run the football operations. Cause I kind of wrote about this this week on Substack, Like, Chris Johnson, I'm sure isn't meeting and having fine points of detail about who his director of facilities is. I'm sure he knows who that person is. I'm sure he's friendly to that person, but I'm sure he wasn't really invested in the hiring of that person, assuming that he's come on since he's been in charge of the team. Like just let the football operations play out just like ticket sales plays itself out. If ticket sales is working, great, Don't touch it. If ticket sales needs help, okay, then get involved. But ultimately you have people that you've put in these kind of executive positions to figure that out and let them do it and don't get in the way and try and make a mess. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm interested. I'm hopeful. Uh, I think we'll be in a good spot. Um, but right. It it really comes down to to who they pick. Um, I want to talk a little bit before we go about, um, Uh, the quarterback too, you know, so there's been a lot Mm -hmm. of talk since the end of the season in terms of, you know, is Sam Darnold, the guy, how does Sam Darnold rank to the, you know, the, the current crop of players below Trevor Lawrence. We also had a Justin Fields, uh, football game in which he, uh, destroyed the, the Clemson Tigers, uh, and Trevor Lawrence was the, was the worst quarterback, uh, even though he threw for 400 yards in that game. Um. So uh, there's a lot of things brewing uh, as I've kind of, I'm going to stay at the point, which is it's still early and I'm not making any decisions, but whenever I see people, you know, lock onto a player and say like, this guy's definitely the act, he's definitely the second or he's definitely the fourth or he's definitely the whatever, or he's, he's, he'll never be this, or he will never be that. When there's data remaining, like I just, I want to see it play out. So I'm curious. I know that nothing's final, but I'm curious. Did you feel pretty good when you were watching that Clemson State, Ohio State, or Clemson Ohio State football game, Josh uh, and Travis? Yeah,
4: yeah, I, I felt really good because I mean, as we were even like as the night was un- unfolding, like if nothing else, Justin Fields made the second pick incredibly valuable. Like there was probably yes. some question a month ago of like, man, post Trevor Lawrence, like. Is there even a market if the Jets wanted to trade down? Like, is there going to be anything? Um, and I think we learned a lot um, about just that guy's resolve and like his ability. Like, like that guy played his 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 guts out. Mm-hmm. I had I had tweeted early in the game. Uh, I didn't care if he threw for seven hundred yards and seven touchdowns, and then he promptly threw for six <laughs> touchdowns. And I was I was a little worried I was going to have to retract it. Thankfully, he only came up with half the yards, so I didn't have to yeah. say anything. But um, but. But no, I you know I my, my feeling really hasn't changed with the, the direction the Jets take if they if they hold that pick. But um, I did come away encouraged by the fact that if there's a market, if there's a team out there going, all right, we're not going to give the Kings ransom for Trevor Lawrence, but we'll give the Prince's ransom for for pick number two. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it it at least puts another uh, another iron in the fire for Joe Douglas to to kind of play with as you know the most important offseason in of the Jets franchise is uh is now upon us. So, yeah, I mm-hmm. felt I felt great. I mean, if he kept throwing, I mean, if he does this again in the national championship game like I mean, first of all, if you're the Jets, you got to think about just probably taking him at two. But um but if nothing else, there is a restored value in the in the market for it.
3: Yeah, Travis, what were your reactions watching um Justin Fields just dismantle Clemson? Now, I, the one thing let's just say they were without their offensive coordinator. I can't remember if it was because of COVID or something, but they were without their offensive coordinator. So Trevor Lawrence didn't have his full arsenal engaged, but um, it was hard not to
2: ignore the play of Justin Fields, correct? Absolutely. Um, and, I mean, I had already talked myself off the the ledge of, of thinking, uh, you know, after after Fields' really bad game prior. Um, mm. and, and, you know, my – I kind of, as I was alluding to earlier, my, my opinion changes on the subject at, like weekly, but at the end of the day, mm-hmm. you know, I always want to build offensive line. Um, you know, I, I a big chunk of me just wants us to, to just say, screw it and get Sewell. Um, but uh, you know, the, like, like Josh was saying, at the, at the very least, it brings a lot more value to that pick. And uh, you know, who knows like what's going to happen because I mean, the quarterback situation is going to, Hinge heavily on what happens at, at uh, head coach, you know, like we, we mm-hmm. can't bring a head coach in and, and force feed him Darnold or force feed him. You know, we're going to take fields. Like it's got to be a consensus between Douglas and whoever the head coach is. So um, I'm trying to stay completely open-minded to what happens in the pick. Even if it is Zach freaking Wilson, I'm not sold on, I'm not sold on anybody except for Sewell right now. Right. Um, and, but, and that's, uh, and that's you know, fair because
3: he's, he's plug and play. Right. And I mean, yeah, we saw, and, and we saw at the end of, uh, you know, in the week 17 game, I mean, I, I really like Makai Becton. I like him a lot. He's an amazing player. His physical gifts are quite unparalleled. We have not seen, I mean, DeBrickshaw Ferguson was a great tackle for this team for a long time, but he was not doing just the marauding and just physical things that you see from a healthy vector, But that's the issue is when he's healthy, like again, came out of the game because he, he, you know, had an ankle injury or, or something there. And so,
2: and that's so kind of it's my going point. You, you, to be a continual to- problem. You move him, you know, to the right side and you know, you're you're taking some of the load off of him, which is, you know, hopefully gonna increase his longevity, decrease the injuries and you know, and you have Sewell on the left. You know, that that's a freak that's already a top five offensive line, just with those two in there. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, I, I can't look past that. I know it's not sexy, I know it's not exciting, I know it's not what nine tenths of the people on Twitter want to hear or even say but you know for me like it that's a sure freaking thing and you know it it, a lot of a lot of the issues that we've had with quarterbacks in the past 10 years has been the fact that we didn't build the offensive line before we got somebody and I realize passing on somebody you know in a a draft where there's some rich talent like this year is you know it's it's a tough pill to swallow but at the same time you get a damn good offensive line in there. You can win with Trent Dilfer. It's been proven, um, you know. And, mm. and I, I will always stick to the you know everything starts with the the offensive line on the offensive side of the ball. So I you know that's that's just where I'm always going to be at end of the day.
3: Yeah, no, I, I think I think you're right. And you look at the what everybody's going crazy about Tennessee right now, and you know Derrick Henry is a amazing. Player, You know, he is, he's a monster and just destroying players uh, with his ability, but it took a little bit of time for him to, to be the Derrick Henry. We think of him now, Uh, you know, they, they drafted a number of wide receivers that had, uh, they were clearly using analytics. You don't take players like Corey Davis and Taewon Taylor and AJ Brown. Um, if you're not and Jonu Smith is a tight end, you don't use those players if you're not looking at the analytics uh, of of the of what makes a successful skill position player. And they've done a good job at putting together a talented team. But yeah, all of that, as you say, if if we're looking at someone like Arthur Smith, great, cool. But you have you cannot decouple his excellence as an offense coordinator without looking at the fact that they are routinely one of the best offensive lines in football, you know, for the last two, three years. Uh, And, and certainly, you know, top five, top three this year. Um, And so, so you have to take those considerations and when you plug in a Ryan Tannehill or whoever, the kind of unlocks things. And so So that is an approach, but right. And I think I'm going to have to build, I'm sure you've seen those flow charts of it's like, you know, do you need a quarterback? Yes or no. Like, you know, you're just like, you've seen those flow charts and different things in life, but I need to make one that's like, are you, you know, are you trying to build for this year or, you know, is your head coach, uh, you know, want to take the air out of the football because he's defensive minded head coach, like just, there's different things that you could do and just try and get to the right solution of whether you take a offensive lineman or whether you take a quarterback and right a lot of that has to play out if you bring in someone like Wink Martindale Martindale might not want to put an emphasis on passing although the league as we know the rules and and all the you know expected value and you know expected wins and all those kind of you know measurements ultimately you know the skeleton key for a lot of that is how's your passing game right and so mm-hmm. if you have a good passing game you're probably going to win more football games and you're going to lose them but right it just depends on what the coach wants to do and whether they believe in you know expected value and you know all, all these kind of things that a lot of analytical people look at to determine whether you're setting up your team for success or not but ultimately um, you're going to need a good defensive line and you're going to need a good quarterback. And so some teams take the approach of where you build the line first, and then you get your quarterback and other teams go the other way where they get the quarterback and then they try and build the line. So like the Rams, like that's a good example. I don't even think Goff was a, was a top pick, but uh, was worth the top pick, but, you know, they went out and got the guy they wanted and then they've tried to build the line around him. It's been moderately successful, but, you know, they don't have the greatest offensive line. Um, so it's, it's not that there's one path to to success here. It's just that you have to make sure you're staying with a plan and sticking with it and not deviating kind of in the middle there. So a lot of decisions, a lot of decision makers left to be brought into the picture here So yeah, we'll see. Um, I'm curious. One, one last question before I let you guys go, Josh, do you think that the college uh, season, the fact that it was shortened, you had teams like Ohio state playing only a handful of games or Trey Lance, the quarterback from North Dakota state, like playing one basically showcase game. Do you think that the fact that the college season was shortened in many ways, and you even had players opting out and the whole thing, um, do you think that's going to hinder the prospect evaluation of the Jets uh
4: this year? Um man, I I think I think we're we're gonna probably be looking at the most heavily weighted combine ever. Um I, I think you're gonna get a lot of like individual um, you know, uh, athletic scores there they're gonna be way more highly weighted, um, and I. But I also think you're going to have guys not dismissing this season, um, but because I, I, I do think that there is something to be said for, um, you know, especially like at the top of both of these rounds, and at the end of the first round, you know, the, those top fifty-ish kind of guys, and like how they kind of rank um, in comparison to each other. You have to take all of that into account. But maybe, maybe a little bit further down the board, um, this is going to be a year where you're trying to figure out hey, is production in the fourth round really important to me? Um, or do I really want to go after individual athleticism at a specific position, mm-hmm. uh, maybe more than in previous years? And so maybe it's been harder um, to evaluate um, you know, down there than I do think at the top. I think at the top, you still have a good sense um, of, of what those top maybe 50 to 75 picks, um, who, who are those guys? But I think definitely further down, um, as either game tapes weren't maybe available because there weren't games or, you know, like a lot of pro days and things like that um, is is, uh, you know, going to be way more ha- really just a lot harder to get find find, you know, the offensive guard from a from a, you know, a, a Pac-10 school that, you know, had a shortened season or no season or, you know, a, a, you know, a, a guy from a school like UConn that um, didn't have a football season like you're going to have to do a lot more legwork. Um, potentially if you think that there's a guy there. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a unique season. And I do worry about the combine warriors kind of climbing the board a little bit too highly. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm not so worried at maybe two and maybe with that, the, the late first rounder from Seattle that we have, but starting around the third round, I'd start to get a little bit suspicious of man, this guy just had an incredible um, workout and that's kind of what they're going off of. That's where I see like some breakdown happening potentially. Yeah, any,
2: any thoughts on that, Travis? No, I agree. I think the impact's going to be
4: felt like more
2: like on uh, smaller schools and undrafted free agents. I mean, it's going to be a lot of rolling the dice because, you know, there's just not going to be that 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 tape. But also, you know, that extra year of, of you know, development. There's going to be a lot of, of weighing uh, – you know, at at what point is this player in their development and, you know, how much am I willing to invest in somebody that's, that's lost, you know, the bulk of an entire year um, in, in their, their college career. Uh, It's, it's, it's going to be a lot of rolling the dice from three on. I agree with that heavily. Uh, I don't think it's going to impact any of the, the main prospects at all. I think that there's enough, there's enough tape and enough knowledge, you know, on, on the, 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 you know, the top 100, you know, maybe even top 200 players. Um, but outside of that, like, it's going to be real tough for, for, for guys trying to get in and uh, have their shots um, from smaller schools and and people that, you know,
4: may not have, have or may have had a, a shortened college career.
2: Yeah,
3: I
4: think, I think, I think you're I, right. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, too, I think you are going to see over the next two or three years um, a lot of undrafted free agents pop up from this class that, Are really good players like you're going to get a lot of a lot of back end of rosters filled with um with guys that um maybe didn't have as much tape as Travis is saying you know make it onto an NFL roster and so you know this draft quote unquote doesn't really end for the next until like maybe two years from now um when when you're still finding guys that came out of this class um that can play and are maybe catching on to some you know, some, some, um, practice squads in different places or other leagues, um, and then maybe finding them themselves back on NFL rosters. Yeah. I think it's, it's an interesting perspective. And I think you're right. That phenomenon
3: could certainly play itself out as, um, <laughs> let's just say draft capital is misallocated and players, um, you know, who would be better like a James Robinson type, right? Like maybe they go a little further. They have to float around a little bit more, uh, before they really latch on and get their chance, and uh, be, because of that, but at the same time, you're right. I think for the top players, it's pretty clear who and what they are. Most of the players, especially right in the first couple rounds, we have a pretty strong set of um, you know tape and and data on kind of on what they are. You know, certain players, like you just look at someone like Travis Etienne from Clemson. He was someone that was expected to. Uh, declare last year and didn't partly because of the 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 class and uh, partly because I think he wanted to compete with Lawrence for a national title Uh, and so so you had someone like Etienne come back a lot of these kind of phenoms especially in the skill position area like their best year generally comes uh, you know if if they're declaring early let's say if they declare early uh, their best year might come a year before uh, or or that, that very year. Um, But in the case of, you know, some of the older prospects, the guys who were 21, 22, uh, you know, who are, have been around, right. It might be harder to pick from amongst the seniors, but the guys who were, you know, you know, highly touted recruits coming out of high school went into some of the most prolific programs, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio state, you know, Notre Dame, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know those guys have been being tracked for multiple years in terms of keeping an eye on them for for uh, you know their how they're going to pan out in college uh, in the pros excuse me so so yes I think the data at the top will be good and so that might I think my point in saying all that is it might actually lead to some interesting moves by teams that are smart you know the good teams are going to find ways to use this inefficiency to their advantage. And maybe one of those is smart teams start trading away some of their fourth, fifth round picks for established NFL veterans who can come in and be part of their organization because they know the likelihood that they're going to hit on a, you know, third day, day three draft pick is significantly lower. And so therefore, uh, hey, we know this player played well. With the uh, Texans last year, they're kind of trying to retool their roster. He could be a plug-and-play guard for us or something like that. And so, you know, while it might not be all the, the top players, like I think smart organizations will find ways to use that capital and the efficiencies that they have to their advantage. Um, so I, I'm I'm very curious. I don't know what phenomenons will play out. I have no inside knowledge. I just think. That would be interesting to see what smart teams do, uh, and I hope the Jets are one of them. I think we've seen enough that they—they they seem to be smart, and I mean, they're smart enough that they fired out in Gase. So, so we're moving in the right direction so far for 2021, right, fellas? Anything? So,
1: so anything far, so else? good.
3: Yeah. So far so good. I mean, people are storming the Capitol, whatever, but, um, you know, and, uh, and it is ironic how, you know, these people aren't so worried about law and order this time, but, uh, you know, that's, that's fine. Uh, we'll just leave that at that. Um, any, any parting thoughts, Josh, I'll let you go first for 2021
4: and the hope to come. I, I, whatever, whatever gift baskets and caffeine and mental wellness things we can do, for one, Joseph Douglas, <laughs> navigating navigating all of this season literally, like, this is like a 10-year experiment condensed into, or a 10-year job, maybe what you'd experience over 10 years um, in most organizations, condensed down into one, you know, three-month, three-month time frame um, is not for the faint of heart. And so we're actually going to learn a ton about him, which is going to be uh, encouraging and exciting. Um, but man, like, you know, like I, I just want, I, I just want to know that the, the process that led to the decisions made sense. And then we live with the consequences and results of that. And if it's an improvement for the organization, great. If not, then we, there's no, there's no, I mean, I guess we could go, Oh, and 16 and miss out on the number one pick somehow, but, um, we're at the floor. And so anything better than where we're at is great. Um, I have very low expectations but I, I am cautiously optimistic that we're gonna uh, we're gonna we're gonna come out of this offseason as a much better organization than we went into it Travis
2: you know I got, I got faith uh, in, in a Virginia boy uh, mr. Douglas I, I think mm-hmm. that if everything that's being said right now about the Johnsons trying to at least get out of their own way um, that's that's definitely a step in the right direction um, you know I've got I've got a lot of of experience of of building successful organizations obviously not football but you know all of them that have been successful have been the owner taking a step aside and one thing that you said in your article that was very very important and one thing I've always tried to practice is uh, you know being the person running the the operation uh, assuming you're the dumbest one in the room and always trying to hire people that are in fact, better than you. And I think mm-hmm. Joe Douglas has that same thought process. And if he can get the Johnsons on board with, with, uh, putting ego aside, putting, you know, whatever aside and, and going for people that you think could be, or actually in fact are better and smarter than you, it's going to make for a better organization. And I've got, I've mm-hmm. got hopes for that. Nice. Well, yeah, I think
3: there's a lot of hope. Um, Next year is finally here. It took two years for next year to finally get here, but it's finally here. So uh, we, we we appreciate all the folks who listen. Um, again, stay tuned to, this uh, the play like a jet feed you can there's going to be lots of content in the days weeks ahead i know scott is working feverishly to get all kinds of content around the different coaching candidates and they're going to be tracking it and following it closely so make sure you do that also i'm on substack you can find me at mach m-a-c-h like the speed uh and you can sign up for that and i'll be sending Hopefully, weekly, I'm not making promises because, man, these first two articles have been brutal. I need to definitely tone down next week and not go so nuts. Um, We will be back. We will explain when that is. We're not sure. Uh, I'll talk with the fellas, and we will definitely be back this offseason because we want to be part of this conversation as the spring moves forward. But certainly, I don't know that we'll be at the same frequency Um, so gentlemen thank you for all your efforts Um, we will put something together again soon but you guys are what make this podcast the most fun so thank you josh
2: thank you travis thank you to our Uh listeners you're the best bye change it change the name it's not mad dog 2020 anymore it's mad dog 2021 baby